Well, good morning to everyone. It is a good day to praise the Lord. Last night I had opportunity to meditate on the Lord in the night watches. For some reason at 1 o'clock, 1.30, 2 o'clock, I could not sleep. And uh, I'm a bit surprised that I feel as well as I do this morning, uh, but I did meditate in the night watches. And the Lord directed my mind to the Psalms. I'd like to uh, read Psalm 104. That will be our meditation this morning. Now we sang uh, song 993, when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more. And the last verse, let us labor for the master from the dawn till setting sun. Let us talk of all his wondrous love and care. And what struck me there was, uh, if you were like me, there was days this week where we labor from uh, the dawn till the setting sun and we still don't accomplish everything that we feel like we ought to have. And now this morning, let's just try and push all that back a bit and talk of all his wondrous love and care. That's what I would like to accomplish here this morning in our meditation. As we look at Psalm 104, several things along what I just shared, it begins by saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And when he uses that expression there, O my soul, it has the idea of our thoughts, emotions, our feelings, let them just turn toward the Lord. And if we can do that this morning, to just bless the Lord and, and uh, take in what is shared with us here in this psalm. Also toward the end, in verse 34, he says, my meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. So let's uh, let our meditation of him this morning be sweet. It occurred to me as I went over this psalm that God reveals himself to us. And this is just one small portion out of the whole scriptures that is a revelation of what God is and what he does and how we understand him and, and even his wondrous love and care. And if it weren't for that, we would be ignorant. We would know nothing. Um, 
Who can, by searching, find out God? Who knoweth the chambers of his habitation? Will you, by searching, discover where his chambers of habitation are? And the answer is no. We, we would not have any understanding of those things if they were not revealed to us. And in this psalm, there are some things that are oft repeated throughout the scriptures, some things that are uh, not as oft repeated, uh, but it gives us a knowledge of God and who he is. So I will read this psalm and then we'll come back and consider uh, certain portions of it. Psalm 104, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty. Who coverest thyself with light as with a garment. Who stretchest out the heavens like a curtain. Who layeth the beams of his chambers in the waters. Who maketh the clouds his chariot. Who walketh upon the wings of the wind. Who maketh his angels spirits, his ministers a flaming fire. Who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever. Thou coveredst it with the deep as with a garment. The water stood above the mountains. At thy rebuke they fled. At the voice of thy thunder they hasted away. They go up by the mountains. They go down by the valleys unto the place which thou hast founded for them. Thou hast set a bound that they may not pass over, that they turn not again to cover the earth. He sendeth the springs into the valleys which run among the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild asses quench their thirst. By them shall the fowls of the heaven have their habitation, which sing among the branches. He watereth the hills from his chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of thy works. He causeth the grass to grow for the cattle, and herb for the service of man, that he may bring forth food out of the earth, and wine that maketh glad the heart of man, and oil to make his face to shine, and bread which strengtheneth man's heart. The trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon which he hath planted, where the birds make their nests. As for the stork, the fir trees are her house. The high hills are a refuge for the wild goats and the rocks for the conies. He appointed the moon for seasons, the sun knoweth his going down. Thou makest darkness, and it is night, wherein all the beasts of the forest do creep forth. The young lions roar after their prey and seek their meat from God. The sun ariseth, they gather themselves together and lay them down in their dens. Man goeth forth unto his work and to his labor until the evening. O Lord, how manifold are thy works! In wisdom hast thou made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. So is this great and wide sea, wherein are things creeping innumerable, both small and great beasts. There go the ships. There is that Leviathan whom thou hast made to play therein. These wait all upon thee, that thou mayest give them their meat in due season. That thou givest them they gather, thou openest thine hand, they are filled with good. Thou hidest thy face, they are troubled. Thou takest away their breath, they die. 
and return to their dust. Thou sendest forth thy spirit, they are created, and thou renewest the face of the earth. The glory of the Lord shall endure forever. The Lord shall rejoice in his works. He looketh on the earth, and it trembleth. He toucheth the hills, and they smoke. I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. Let the sinners be consumed out of the earth, and let the wicked be no more. Bless thou the Lord, O my soul. Praise ye the Lord. My, let us talk of all his wondrous love and care. So he exhorts us to bless the Lord with our soul. As in another place, maybe it's just the previous psalm, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. The first part of this psalm, a handful of verses here, speak about creation. And various aspects of it. He says, There who coverest thyself with light as with a garment. And you know that one of the uh, early things that God did in creation, He said, Let there be light. And there was light. And so it tells us further that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. So there is in light a representation of some of God's nature, his power, his character. In him is no darkness at all. Who covers thyself with light as with a garment. Who stretchest out the heavens like a curtain. A man who moves a curtain. It's easily done. He has complete control and the curtain is only a small portion of his his habitation, if you will. And if God stretches out the heavens that we can't even comprehend the extent thereof and God just stretches it out like a man would stretch a curtain and it only represents a portion of his habitation, I mean, God is really, really big. And as scientists have studied the heavens, they tell us that it seems to be constantly expanding. So everything is moving away from us at a high rate of speed, just constantly expanding can't really wrap our mind around that because where is it going? I mean, we can't even see the boundary thereof, let alone tell how, how far it's going. And that's our God who can stretch that out like a curtain. He knows, um, he knows the boundaries thereof, and as someone has said, 
God is not found somewhere in the universe. The universe is found somewhere in God. Who layeth the beams of his chambers in the waters. That we can't quite understand either. Now we do know at the beginning of creation he separated the land and the water, uh, marked out their boundaries, layeth the beams of his chambers in the waters. We would think a builder today to be foolish if he tried to lay his foundation in the water. Um, We can float things in the water, but we don't lay beams in the water. Who maketh the clouds his chariot, who walketh upon the wings of the wind. Now there was, in the beginning there, we read in Genesis how he separated the firmament, the waters uh, were above the firmament from the waters below the firmament, and I'm sure there was clouds. It seems like there may have been a cloud cover over the earth when it was first formed there. But if we just, what we know of clouds today, if we just consider um, who maketh the clouds his chariot. And as we look through scripture, we find various times when clouds and God's um, chariots, as it says here, We know that when Christ ascended up into heaven, a cloud received him out of their sight, and when he comes again, he will come in the clouds of heaven. And if we think of clouds in in especially, say, a thunderstorm, the size and scope of the thunderstorm is hard to grasp. A large thunderhead, as we call them, a thunderhead storm cell, can reach heights of 60,000 feet, which is higher than any mountains on the earth. It would be approximately, what would that be, about 12 miles into the sky. There is such tremendous power in that one thunder cell. They tell us that the lightning that can be found in one average thunderstorm, if it could be harnessed, the power and the electricity of that lightning would be enough to power a major city for a whole year if there was some way to simply capture that uh, power and energy of electricity in one simple thunderstorm. But man has not yet figured out how to harness that. But he makes these clouds his chariot. Think of the tremendous weight of hailstones, for example, that can form in a thundercloud. And if you think of a bit of hail, whether it's pea size or the size of a golf ball or a softball, 
If it were suspended in the air, it would drop like a rock, we say. There'd be nothing to hold it up. But in a thunderstorm, a thundercell, there's such an updraft of wind, so tremendous, that innumerable numbers of those hailstones simply churn in the, in the air in this thundercell, and in times they dump out upon the ground by the truckload. And this was all suspended in the sky. These are the chariots that God rides upon. Verse 4, He maketh his angels, spirits, his ministers a flaming fire. In the scripture when men actually saw angels as they are in their power and excellency, they would fall down as dead and even seek to worship them. It was so awesome. And these angels would quickly tell them, don't worship us. We're simply servants of the Lord as well. And of course, there's times when these angels appear in human form and simply look and appear as a man and are not even perhaps recognized as angels. But we do know by God's uh, revelation here that they are made a flaming fire. It's also interesting where it says here, who maketh his angels spirits, maketh, we know that they are created beings. And then it says in verse 5, who laid the foundations of the earth. It would appear from this psalm that the angels were perhaps created sometime just prior to the foundations of the earth being laid. We are not told explicitly when they were created, but we can gather from this passage and another one where it speaks of the morning stars sang together when he laid the foundations of the earth that they were probably sometime just prior to the creation of the earth the angels were formed who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever Thou coverest it with the deep as with a garment. The water stood above the mountains. And it seems here he's shifting to the description of the flood as this verse and the following ones. God judged the earth. If we just fast forward to the last verse where it says, Let the sinners be consumed out of the earth and let the wicked be no more. There are two judgments. One was and is referred to here as the flood. There is one yet coming, that is by fire, where sinners are consumed out of the earth. That was God's purpose in allowing the deep to cover the whole earth as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. Then it says, At thy rebuke they fled, at the voice of thy thunder they hasted away. They go up by the mountains, they go down by the valleys unto the place which thou hast founded for them. 
This seems to refer to what was taking place at the end of the flood. It could be understood, as some other translations put it, that the mountains were thrust up and the valleys sank down. The picture there of as the whole globe was shifting under the burden of the flood and at the time of the waters going back at the command of the Lord I rebuked they fled and in that process mountains were thrust up and valleys sank down. And geologists who study the mountains and the valleys would acknowledge that it appears as though mountains were thrust up. And they, of course, not many of them, not willing to recognize God, would deny the process and imagine that it was some other way, but it tells us here how it was. As the valley sank down, and the waters went unto the place which thou hast founded for them. Thou hast set a bound that they, which is speaking about the waters, that they may not pass over, that they turn not again to cover the earth. God even established it with a promise that as long as the world endures, it would not be totally covered by waters as it was in the days of the flood. And he has set a bound that they dot pass over. Verse 10, he sendeth the springs into the valleys which run among the hills. It has been a marvel to many, and it is to us as we think about it. How do the springs come forth from the, the heights of the mountains and the hills? If water seeks a low place and the springs gush forth out of the top of the mountain, wouldn't the water all ex- be expended and just, uh, you know, finally no more water? From the upper levels, it's all flowed to the lower. But yet, year after year, these springs gush forth water. And God has so formed it that it has its cycle. And it actually, somehow, in those underground chambers, presses up into the hills. And it comes forth in fountains, which flows down and becomes a sustenance for all the beasts of the field. And for man himself, who is able to take of this water that springs forth from the earth. Verse 11, they give drink to every beast of the field. The wild asses quench their thirst. By them shall the fowls of the heaven have their habitation, which sing among the branches. He watereth the hills from his chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of thy works. He causeth the grass to grow for the cattle and herb for the service of man, that he may bring forth food out of the earth. God feeds the cattle on a thousand hills. He makes the grass to grow for them. 
It mentions the birds here, the fowls of the heaven, and you know that Jesus even spoke about the sparrows. He said, if God feeds the sparrows, shall he not much more feed you, O ye of little faith? God makes all these things to grow. Verse 16, the trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon which he hath planted. The cedars of Lebanon are a remarkable tree among the trees. That, now, I, I don't know all the details about them, but various times in Scripture, it's referred to as the cedars of Lebanon being a very impressive tree. God, um, Solomon used those cedars to build his temple and other projects and so on. But it says here that the trees of the Lord are full of sap. And if you've ever studied in your uh, science books how a tree actually has a mechanism where sap flows out of the roots and up through the trunk and all the way to the far extent of the leaves by the hundreds of gallons in a single day can be pumped up through. These trees are full of sap. It's hard for us to even fathom that tree just, it's there, you know, and, and all this activity is going on inside. Where the birds make their nests, verse 17, as for the stork, the fir trees are her house. The high hills are a refuge for the wild goats and the rocks for the conies. Now, conies are a rabbit-like creature, fairly feeble, we would think of them. Uh, a rabbit is not going to move a rock. Oh, he might kick a pebble. But to actually make their house in the rocks, um, that's where they find their habitation, is in the rocks. But they won't be carving out their chambers in the rocks. They can kick out dirt. But the crevices of the rocks become their habitation. Verse 19, he appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knoweth his going down. And it's astounding how men can study the heavens and they are guided, the, the heavens, and the movement of the moon and the sun are so precise that they can calculate backwards and they can calculate forward by decades and perhaps even hundreds of years as to what will be at a certain point in time in relation to eclipses and all those things. God made those things for signs, for seasons with a precision that man's machines simply can't, can't duplicate. Thou makest darkness, and it is night, wherein all the beasts of the forest do creep forth. The young lions roar after their prey and seek their meat from God. 
the sun ariseth, they gather themselves together and lay them down in their dens. Man goeth forth unto his work, into his labor until the evening. O Lord, how manifold are thy works in wisdom. Hast thou made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. How manifold are thy works. All of these things going according to God's plan. You think of all these creatures of the forest. They have their nature that was given them by God and how to hunt and, and where to find their uh, habitation. Some of them creep forth in the night. Some of them go forth in the day. And God provides for all of them. He says they seek their meat from God. They may not recognize it, being what we call the dumb beasts of the field. But it is God who sustains them. Verse 25, So is this great and wide sea wherein are things creeping innumerable, both small and great beasts. There go the ships. There is that Leviathan whom thou hast made to play therein. Now Leviathan is an interesting creature. We read a, a lengthy description of Leviathan in the book of Job. And we know he was a creature made by God. He could make the deep to boil like a pot, it says. And here in context, he talks about ships going. And then here comes Leviathan as though maybe it's comparable in size. I'm not sure, but we do know Leviathan was a large and fearsome beast that lived in the water. I believe it would be what would be called today a dinosaur, but it was a water-dwelling creature of scarcely imaginable proportions and fearsome. Only fools would seek to play with Leviathan, it says, or the ignorant like a child. But God made the sea and all things that are therein, and this amazing beast, is, this is his playing ground, the sea. These wait all upon thee that thou mayest give them their meat in due season. And if all these wait upon God, how much more should we? That thou givest them they gather, thou openest thine hand, they are filled with good. Thou hidest thy face, they are troubled. Thou takest away their breath, they die, and return to their dust. Yes, our very breath is in God's hand, as Daniel reminded Belteshazzar there in, in the book of Daniel, where uh, Belshazzar did not give glory to God, and there was the handwriting on the wall, and when Daniel was called in to give an explanation, he read the writing on the wall, and he told this king, that the God in whose hand thy breath is, hast thou not glorified. 
And here the psalmist is reminding us that the breath of the beasts and even of men are in God's hands. And that God we should glorify. Thou sendest forth thy spirit, they are created, and thou renewest the face of the earth. The glory of the Lord shall endure forever. The Lord shall rejoice in his works. We do know that when he had created the world and all things that are therein, he looked on it and he said, it was good. And so God, even though today the world is fallen, God has promised that he's going to restore the earth. It's going to be restored back um, as it was in the time when it was all very good, before the fall of man. We know from what we're told in Romans that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth now waiting for the redemption. It says, He looketh on the earth and it trembleth. He toucheth the hills and they smoke. Smoking hills are referred to as a volcano. And the tremendous power of a volcano is simply the finger of God. He can touch it and it smokes. I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. It has been sweet for me to meditate on the things of the Lord here. As we think about all our labors and our troubles and our difficulties, which we've all had, our portion, and yet God is the one who cares for us. And it is good for us to just take some time to meditate on all his wondrous works. I will be glad in the Lord. Verse 35, the end verse there, Let the sinners be consumed out of the earth, and let the wicked be no more. And we know there is coming a time the second earth-wide judgment of God where sinners will be consumed out of the earth and let the wicked be no more. Bless thou the Lord, O my soul. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. Maybe we could sing again that... um, I believe it's number six, the one we sang earlier. If you could lead that for us, please, Michael.